been preaching the last four weeks on a series concerning the fivefold ministry. And the fivefold ministry consists of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor's sheep, and I mean shepherd and the teacher. And the fivefold ministry is a concept taken from Ephesians 4:11 um, through 16, as Paul was laying a framework on how to equip the saints for service and building up the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4:11, if you want to, all the scriptures that I'm going through will be on the screen. But if you want to use your Bible, you're welcome to do that. But Ephesians 4 and 12 said, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. He gave them to prepare God's people for the work of the service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And my assignment today is to preach about the gift of the evangelist. I can't sing, I'm letting you know ahead of time, but there's been this song in my spirit for the last couple of months. And every day, every day, morning, noon, or evening, the lyrics would come up. And I would hear myself singing. And it goes like this. Glory, glory, hallelujah, since I laid my burdens down. I feel better, so much better, since I laid my burdens down. Friends don't treat me like they used to since I lay my burdens down. But I'm going home to live with Jesus since I lay my burdens down. And this song represents a person who has come to know Jesus as their savior. And God wants us to start laying aside every weight and every burden by examining the sin in our lives that we can ask him to provide a way out of. And as we lay these burdens down, there's a change that takes place and people notice. And then and only then can we run with endurance this race, this Christian life that is set before us, looking until Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The promise of salvation is made to all that call on the name of the Lord. And in scriptures, Romans 10 and 14, Paul keep asking, he asks, how anyone can call on Christ if they don't believe in him? But how can anyone believe in Christ if they've never heard of him or they don't know who he is? And how can they hear about him or know who he is unless someone preaches him to them? 
And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And that's the responsibility and the job of the evangelist. The evangelist is to preach God's word. Telling people simply and clearly what God says concerning his son, Jesus Christ, and what he has done for all. The gift of the evangelist given to the church is to encourage others like you towards evangelism. Jesus said in Matthews 10 and 32, whosoever acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Saints, we should be acknowledging who he is. There is no such thing as a secret Christian. People should know your relationship with Christ through evangelism. What is evangelism? I'm glad you asked. There's three modes of evangelism. The first one is a natural mode. It is simply communicating the gospel to those with whom you already have an everyday relationship and interaction. They're your family, your friends, your co-workers. Do people around you know that you are a Christian by your conversation? The second mode is the body mode. And it happens as outsiders observe and experience a loving community of Christians. People see God at work through his people, and this motivates them to come to faith. So we must watch how we live. We must watch how we love others, because people are watching us. And the third mode or way is ministry. And that's simply sharing the gospel with people we don't know who are outside of your natural relationships. Evangelism is not only a gift giving to some, but it's a command giving to all. Evangelism is the urgent need of the hour, saints. It is the heartbeat and the heart pain of the God. The Lord Jesus repeatedly gave this commission to his disciples, even to the last minute, to take the gospel to every part of the world, making disciples and teaching them to observe all he taught them. Evangelism is the extension from the gift of the evangelist. Why? So that conversion can take place in a person's life. Conversion includes a change in behavior, but it goes beyond our behavior. It's a change in our very nature. It's a rebirth, a change of heart, and it's a baptism of fire. You know, we go into the doctor's office and we get HIPAA disclosures, 
Privacy Act disclosure. You get a product, it's a product disclosure. But I have a sermon disclosure for you today. And usually they want you to sign it with your signature. But we're going to seal it not with the signature, but with an amen, which means let it be so. And my sermon disclosure is as this. As I prepared to preach this message, I cried, I laughed, I rejoiced, and I gave God thanks. Every preacher has his own style of preaching. And if you're looking for a preacher that can sing or use personal stories or visual aids, I probably will disappoint you in those areas. But one thing I will do, I will lay a foundation based upon the word of God and I'll build upon that. I will share with you what the Holy Spirit has given me to preach to you through studying, praying, and hearing his voice. But in ultimate, I will give God all the glory. Amen? So if I had to title my sermon, I would call it Chasing the Will of God. Chasing the Will of God. And God is still calling out his elite from all over the world. No longer just from Jerusalem and the Jewish nation, but from all mankind. He is saving people and he is using them for his glory. He doesn't care what race you are. He doesn't care how old you are. He doesn't care how much money you have or do not have. He doesn't care where you live or even what your past looked like. He can use you if you want to be used by him. And he wants to use you if you are chasing the will of God. Hallelujah. So when a person becomes a Christian, we become a servant for God. And as servants, we are giving this command. Luke 14, 23 says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come, that in my house may be filled. Saints, we all have been given the commandment. And the commandment is to go. And you ask, where? And the answer is to them that are lost. And we all have been given a purpose. And the purpose is to compel them to come. And you ask, how? And the answer is through the demonstration of love and making them feel welcome. And we all have been given the reason and the reason is so that they can come. And you ask how? And the answer is by them hearing the word of God and telling them about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we all have been given the result. And the result is that God's house is filled. And you ask how? And the answer is 
through conversion. People accepting Christ as their savior. Conversion is what happens when people discover that Jesus is real and he is good. It is a life-changing encounter with the living God. Hallelujah. So I will be coming from the eighth chapter of the books of Acts. And it was written by the beloved physician, Luke. He was the only Gentile among the writers of the gospel. And Luke narrates three conversion stories in Acts 8 through 10. But this morning, we're going to look at the first of the three conversions. And that's the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. <laughs> there are three key characters in this story. It's the Ethiopian eunuch who is returning home from Jerusalem. And then there's Philip, a Jewish Christian who has been in Samaria. But the main character is the risen Jesus Christ. <laughs> so in the beginning of the book of Acts, it let us know that there arose a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, which was led by a man named Saul. And Saul was ravaging the church. He was entering into house after house and he was dragging off men and women and putting them in jail. And because of this, everyone was scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. But those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So the end result was for the glory of God because this persecution simply served to spread the message and share the gospel and good news of Jesus Christ. The Jews of that day, you know, they hated the Samaritans. They considered them as compromising half-breeds who corrupt the worship of the true God. They did not think that they were worthy of salvation. But there was a man named Philip a Jewish man, an evangelist, who thought differently. This man who had been working up north of Jerusalem in the city of Samaria had caused this great revival to take place in Samaria because he brought the gospel to the Samaritans. He was preaching the gospel to them. And when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So God knew that Philip was his man because Philip was chasing the will of God. He was chasing the very heart of God. So in the book of Acts, the eighth chapter, the 26th verse, it reads, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. 
the Holy Spirit gives direction to Philip through a messenger of God, an angel. And I feel like God was trying to say to Philip, I don't want you to stay in that place that makes you feel comfortable and safe. I want you to trust me and go to a place that I will send you and I can use you. And if we read the Bible, saints, there's different incidents where God sends an angel to speak to someone to ask them to trust him in an uncomfortable situation. He sent the angel Gabriel to Mary, and the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and will name him Jesus. An uncomfortable situation. And then he sent an angel to Joseph, and the angel said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, an uncomfortable situation. But they, like Philip, must trust the word in the direction of God that has sent, was sent to them through an angel. I ask you, what direction or word is God speaking to you in your life? What situation in your life is God asking you to trust him in an uncomfortable situation? Now this angel, not only does he tell him to go, he said, rise and go towards the south of the road. There was two roads that led to Jerusalem from Gaza. And the Spirit commands Philip to take the road, not travel by many. Where does these roads lead us? They lead us to all people, Caucasians, blacks, Asian. They lead us to all social economic groups, different incomes, educations, and employments. And these roads lead us to all sinners, murderers, adulterers, fornicators, liars, people prideful, because the kingdom of God is open to everyone. The road that leads to deliverance and salvation offer to God leads to everyone. And then the angel tells Philip that this road is a desert road. Deserts are dry places. <laughs> Deserts are places of death and despair. It's a place where people have little hope or no hope. A desert lacks not only water and food, but it lacks cities and towns. The wilderness was a form of a desert because it was an area where people usually don't use it. So we know when we think about Moses and when he took the people out to the wilderness in Exodus 14 and 11, the people said to Moses, 
did you bring us out here to die? But also, we can see a desert as a place of spiritual battle, one in which evil is confronted, hallelujah, and God is encountered in a new way. So when God invites us into the desert, obedience is the first and foundational step. He will not force us into the desert, but instead he invites us to follow him there, trusting that in his goodness, that he will not lead us there simply to leave us. And yet, when we choose to remain in our place of comfort and perceive safety, we so often miss the invitation to be used by God and to be caught up in this great story of redemption he is telling. Philip could have stayed in Samaria. There was great things happening there. Revival was going on. So here, Philip is presented with a choice to obey or to ignore the invitation. The scriptures say, do I leave the 99? And I want to be politically correct. I don't want anyone to say I'm misquoting the Bible. We know the 99 means the Christians who believe and are waiting, walking in faith. But I'm asking you today, what is the 99 in your life? What is God asking you to leave, to go find the one? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your church or whatever makes you feel comfortable? Because it just starts with just one. So Philip rises, the angel speaks, and then he rose, he went. So in his obedience, Philip found himself used by God in a mighty way to point someone to Christ. He found himself evangelizing. But who does he encounter? He encounter an Ethiopian man, a black man. So the scripture says, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading prophet, the prophet Isaiah. Because of Philip's obedience, this story contains two important lessons about Christian conversions that is universal. And the first lesson is that Jesus draws all kind of people to himself. John 12 and 30 says, Jesus said, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Yes, we may expect that Philip, who was a working class Jew from a family with a biblical heritage, would become a follower of Jesus. We may expect that those who have been brought up in the church would become a follower 
of Jesus. But what about a black, sexually altered treasurer's secretary for a royal family of a distant and totally pagan country? Can he become a follower of Jesus? Or what about that person who has committed a hideous crime? Can he become a follower of Jesus? Or what about that person with a life full of addictions? Can he become a follower of Jesus? Yes, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This eunuch man was a man who has been castrated to serve the royal family. And the fact that he was a unit meant that he was from a lower class. And he worked his way up into position of influence. So this role that the angel told Philip to take, told Philip to travel, he was told by the Holy Spirit, it led to all people because this unit was a black man. This road led to all social economic groups because this unit had wealth and his road led to all sinners because the unit had lost his identity. So this shows the length to which Jesus will go to draw all people to himself. <laughs> and if you are sitting here and you don't know God as your savior, I want you to know that God loves you and he does not want you to perish. He died on the cross for you. Amen. So in this culture in which marriage and family meant everything, this man, this Ethiopian eunuch gave all this up for a career advancement. Yet this career success evidently did not fulfill him. So what are we relying on, saints, to take the place of the fulfillment that only God can give us? So somehow he became aware of the God of Israel. And something about what he heard about this God stirred up a longing in him to know more. So he made this long and dangerous trip to worship this God and learn more about him. So while he was in Jerusalem, I could see that he was turned away from full participation in the worship because Judaism forbid non-Jews and units from entering into the temple. And I can imagine him being a little disappointed. But he purchased either the whole Old Testament or at least the scroll of Isaiah. And he was reading it on his way back home. And I can imagine him reading Isaiah 56, 4 and 5, that God promised that one day he will welcome even the eunuchs as his own sons. 
and giving them everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And I can see this text, right? Giving him hope. And the scripture also give us a second lesson. And the second lesson is that Jesus worked through his followers to help people he is drawing. So Acts 8, 29 and 31 reads, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and to sit with him. Philip goes, not knowing what God has in mind for him. But he gets to this road, and the Spirit tells him the next step to take. The Spirit says to him, go over and join this chariot. That's all it says. Not what for, nor who is in there. Just go to the chariot. And Philip ran to the chariot. He was chasing the will of God. The timing of the Spirit is perfect. And at that very moment, Philip, no doubt, wondering what he would say. When he got to the chariot, he hears the Ethiopian reading the book of Isaiah. So when Philip heard this, when he heard the prophet, he was reading the prophet, he knew at that moment that God had given him an open door, a prepared heart. Are we truly hearing or listening for these opportunities to share the gospel, to give someone hope? God had arranged this meeting between Philip and the Ethiopian. And this is a wonderful idea or example of what God and how God opens doors for evangelism. Saints, one of the greatest jobs in preaching the gospel is simply to pray for open doors. And then having prayed for these open doors, we must keep alert to the opportunities that God present. So he said to him, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what Jesus has done for you? And the, the Ethiopians say, how can I unless someone guides me? So in this urgent need, saints of the hour, there's a guidance that needs to take place between the saints and the sinner. Who else would lead and guide them to Christ? And I'm almost done. Acts 8, 32 and 39 reads, and it's long. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before his shear is silent. So he opens now his mouth 
and in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For this life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if thy believest with all thy heart, thy mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And they came out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And they went on his way rejoicing. Philip opened his mouth. And beginning at this scripture in Isaiah, which was a common ground with the Ethiopian, he made his way to talking about Jesus. But he started with common grounds, the book of Isaiah that the Ethiopian was reading. And he started by explaining who Jesus is. And he said he was like a lamb, referring to him as the perfect an ultimate sacrifice for sin. Explaining to him what he has done for us. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And we all like sheep has gone astray. Each of us have turned away, turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity and the sin of all of us. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. And then Philip transitioning into the gospel. I can imagine what Philip told the Ethiopian. I can imagine he told him, we are all sinners who deserve God's judgment. For we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I can imagine he told him, Jesus Christ is God. And he came to earth as a man and the word was made flesh and dwelled among us full of grace and truth. I can imagine he told him that Jesus was crucified on the cross. Jesus died in our place in order to pay for our sins. And I can imagine he told him three days later, Jesus came back from the dead with the power to save us. Jesus is my savior. And I am trusting in Jesus' sacrifice and nothing else in order to save me. That's it. That's what the Ethiopian unit believed with his whole heart. The good news, the gospel. We know there's nothing anyone can do in order to be saved. The only way a person can find salvation is by accepting Jesus Christ as their savior. And this was the work of the Holy Spirit in the eunuch's life. And it could be the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. We come as we are. Cause for by grace ye are saved through faith and it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not works, lest any man shall boast. Amen.
the Ethiopian wanted to be baptized to declare his belief. He saw the truth of God and he knew it was for him. Water baptism symbolized the need for our sin to be washed away. It represents the truth that our old person is gone and a new one has come. So they went down to the water and Philip emerged the Ethiopian in water for baptism. Can you come play? I'm gonna Hallelujah. And in my conclusion, I want to tell you that the same road that took Philip to the desert place, a dry place, is the same road that led to a conversion and a baptism in the water. It is not the road that an individual is traveling that dictates his or her deliverance or his or her salvation. It's believing in Jesus Christ. Saints, we need three things to make a conversion happen. First, we need the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to be where the Spirit is moving. And second, we need the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit would take the things of Christ and reveal them to an individual. And third, we need a man or woman of God who takes the Word of God, directed by the Spirit of God, to bring into existence a son of God, a born-again Christian. We need to evangelize. It's a gift giving to some, but it's a commandment giving to all. And as I was preaching, if you felt the urging of the Holy Spirit, or if you felt this scripture that may prick your heart, Isaiah 61 and 1, I heard the Lord say to me, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captive, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus can do all things for you, saints. When you're down, oppressed, he can lift you up. If you're in sin, he can deliver you. If you feel unworthy, he can make you feel the love as a child of his. If there's anyone in the room, we're going to have prayer warriors up after we have closing remarks.
But if you're in a room and you don't know Christ as your Savior, this is the place. It's a safe place. It's an anointed place, a holy place. This altar has been prayed over. Or if you just feel like you knew, you know Christ, but you just want to draw closer to him, this is the place. Or if you feel like you have the gift of evangelism or you're evangelist and you want to walk fully in your gift, this is the place, the altar. Bring it to the altar. In Jesus' name.